podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You know, I don't care for sex. I find it an embarrassing and dull exercise. That's why I prefer sports, because you can win. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... (laughs) That's a Norm MacDonald joke. Uh, So following it up, sad, sad trend at the moment of starting this podcast off with jokes from comedians have passed away but um yeah i i I went down a rabbit hole yesterday of just watching norm mcdonald clips it's actually quite hard to tell jokes at the start of the podcast because they're either too long or they're not really (laughs) appropriate for a formula one podcast but that one i feel like that was quite funny uh reaction wasn't what i thought it was going to be it did beat your hitler attempt with the first joke so um yeah (laughs) outtake Uh, for, the, yeah, for that, you can have, uh, you get an extra point for for reading the room, Nate. Yeah. And for being better. prepared. I like being prepared, you know, a, a plan B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the listeners aren't going to hear my Hitler joke, are they? We're not, we're, we're cutting that one out. We'll see. <laughs> um, so, Nate, to put you out of your misery, yeah. you're going to get a six. Oh, okay. I feel like there's some there's some there's some stability now with these with these rankings. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thanks. I appreciate. <laughs> no, no. That. I mean, you know, because you know, I was just nailing nailing the nines out of the park all the time. I'll come back to six. You know, I've had a few sixes. Yeah, but I think that um, it just inspires you, hopefully, to push the joke envelope a little bit further. Yeah. Although, in honor of Norm, I do want like a one out of ten next week, just to tell a really good bad joke. So I might do that. If it's a good, bad joke, I'm normally going to laugh at that and it's going to get you points. <laughs> yeah, true. So. That's true. I'll take a six. I'll take a six. I mean, one of the problems with telling any comedian's joke is that you're not that comedian. <laughs> so <laughs> you ultimately are always going to butcher it. So, um, yeah, no, I think, that's, I think that's fair. Good start. Welcome to The Paddock, a podcast featuring stories following Formula One around the world. I'm Lawrence Bretto, senior writer at F1.com. And I'm Chris Medland, F1 correspondent at Racer. And I'm Nate Saunders from ESPN. It's been a strong start. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, chaps. So we can edit out the bad stuff so everyone does think it's a good start, right? We haven't yeah. done anything wrong. Yeah, that no might mistakes. be the first mention to them that it's gone wrong at any stage. But yeah. uh, it did slightly. It's fine. How are we all? Very good, thanks. I feel like I've seen you boys quite a lot recently, both in the flesh and, and digitally. <laughs> and which, which is better? Prefer? Yeah. Oh, definitely in the flesh, guys. Yeah. Mm. I feel like you try harder in the flesh. When, yeah, when we're just I, chatting in the Zoom, you don't care so much. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. I, I mean, I'm, I'm completely naked from like, the waist down. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I'm not really. I, I am actually wearing trousers just for anyone <laughs> Nice black pair, Adidas, Adidas tracksuit, which looks rather fetching. To go with your Adidas t-shirt. So I am actually sat head to toe in Adidas gear, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Adidas, send us free stuff, please. It's a lovely plug. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is the part of the show, Meadows, where I like to hear if we've got any reviews. Do we have any reviews? Oh, yeah. I think people felt really sorry for us that the last episode was it did really well actually thank you everyone um but also we were terrible weren't we so i think people felt sorry for us that we weren't going to get any good reviews so they sent some in ah. um which is really so we nice. basically blackmailed people into sending reviews in 
Yeah. So if we're terrible, we get good reviews. Oh, I like it. And <laughs> this this is a completely like global set of reviews because we have three this week. And it's one from Australia, one from the UK, and one from the US. So oh, I think we cover the globe basically. That's that's they're the three countries that exist, aren't there? Is there more? <laughs> I, I never remember. Um, now, the, so the first one comes from G G G Fromouse, which is probably not how you say their username, but this voice fun trying uh, from Australia. Uh, It'll be G G Fromouse instead of G G Fromouse. Better, <laughs> better. Um, I should have sent this to you, Nate, to do, actually, because you could have done it in the accent. <laughs> no, that's, I don't want to insult someone with my terrible Australian accent. I mean, you know you always insult people with your terrible accents on the regular. Yeah, true. But I just don't want to on this podcast. Okay. Fair. Today. <laughs> on this episode. <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, right this second. Um, so this one says, great listen, love the pad hoc, always so relaxed, refreshing to listen to a podcast where the presenters are all so happy to be there and are so involved in the sport usually well executed fair point after the last episode uh, but looking forward to hearing lawrence improving on his introductioning in the future <laughs> wow from australia uh, yeah I'm a, I'm a big fan of both the call out from down under yeah and the use of the word introductioning rather than introducing uh, or introductions which i'm guessing is an aussie word but i like it well um, i welcome constructive feedback so thank you well, uh, and <laughs> gg from ours does say that they are looking forward to hearing you improve so progress. <laughs> what nate you did it i did i just like that you you casually dropped it in there <laughs> fantastic it's just uh, it's, it's like it's it's like it's infectious you know i did it once and then i'd like to think that was involuntary that you didn't even realize you were doing it <laughs> i wish but it took a lot of effort yeah um, second one is from uh the united kingdom of great britain and northern ireland <laughs> and it's from alex bryan who gives it the title, It's All Right. Uh, bad jokes, average F1 chat, hosts are so-so. Top three F1 podcast for me, five stars. So big fan of that, Alex. You 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 had us in the first half. But uh, yeah. I like got... that as well because he's kind of inadvertently insulting every F1 podcast out there because he's <laughs> saying that we're like bang average, but we're also top three. That's so it means like point. the field must just be bang average, average. as well. <laughs> at least, like bang average at best, which wouldn't make it average, would it? Maths. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's why uh, I do written stuff with words. I knew there was a reason why you, <clears throat> we had you on this podcast, Nate. <laughs> really? I, I'm still trying to work it out. I can't remember. <laughs> okay, so that's uh, a, an average review. What's the yeah, third one? Well, it's an av- average review that was five stars. So we like that. Third I like one. that. That was very British, wasn't it? It was like five stars. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but it was <laughs> like polite. Impolite yeah. to say anything else. Whereas the Aussie was like, "Oh, I love this show. Like, it's great. It's laid back. It's chilled. Love it." And then the British guy is just like, "Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's fine. That's fine." <laughs> this American one, I'm trying to work out what it'll be like, but it'll be optimistic and glowing. Let's hear it. Okay, it's from Steve T. Somewhere in the US, and the title is "Totally Entertaining." Also five stars. Thank you, Steve T. And says, I don't usually rate things at the highest level because I think you need to do something well above average to earn it. The average is back. The pad hoc is a very interesting look behind the scenes of F1 journalism and the opening joke, 60 second review and possibility of bribing me with some swag pushes it over the top. Yes, Love that. Uh, There you go. So, okay. So an American who understands how averages work, Australians (laughs) and British didn't get it. We're too mixed up with our imperial and metric, you know, that whole, that whole thing. Well, there's that and an American who knows that, you know, there's you can bribe 
us basically um and we bribe them it's kind of a two-way street so i feel like that means it's not immoral yeah also if lenny's listening to this we haven't got around to sending the swag over to you yet as far as i'm aware uh but it is on the way yeah, it's next box, to Medland. Yeah, the box is down here and it's it's a big box and it was very expensive to send on the first thing I looked at. So I'm having to uh, measure it up and, and check some other outlets for delivery to the US. But it's coming um, somehow, some some way. I'll probably just smuggle it in when it's Austin Grand Prix week. That's what I'll do. Um, <laughs> yeah, just giant bag. <laughs> for US border control, by the way, that was a joke. Please do <laughs> my back. <laughs> Yeah, I gave you all that other stuff to smuggle in medals. Remember the you know, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that later. That, yeah, yeah. Don't uh, worry about it. Code named. Code yeah, named. It. Don't worry. I can cut that out like the Hitler joke. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> what Barretto, joke was say that? something. <laughs> Talking of things that we don't cut out, how do you guys want to spend the next sixty seconds of of your lives? Do you want to listen to a little review? That I did. What I would love. Nate is to remember the weekend that we've just seen in yeah. 60 seconds. So this one is the first one that features me speaking a foreign language for, wow. for, for more for more than just saying I do speak it in the review, but I intro it in Italian. I didn't even know that you could do this, Nate. I, I am a man of many talents. <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a man of about seven talents. <laughs> and that's one of them. We'll be the judges of that. Okay, questa è la recensione del Gran Premio d'Italia. See, uh, see what I did there, everyone? Because it's a review about Italy. Anyway, first position, Danny Ricciardo. Danny Rick's back, everyone, but he never left. Molto bene. Lando Norris in P2. That's my favourite one-two of all time. Don't at me. Valtteri Bottas in third. Bottas 10.0. I think we found him, everyone. The best Bottas of all time. Uh, Charles Leclerc, so close to a Ferrari podium. Perez, penalised. Science and Stroll were sixth and seventh. Alonso, Bit feisty, wasn't he? George Russell in ninth. What a Mercedes playing at, LOL. A solid point for Ocon. Everyone's favourite Canadian, Nicholas Latifi in 11th. Sebastian Vettel, climate change. Antonio Giovinazzi, he's Italian, so is Monza. Uh, Bobby Kibitza, that was fun. Good job, Bobby. Mick Schumacher got spun around by Nikita Mazepin, who didn't finish. And I didn't even notice, really. Uh, Max Verstappen, guilty. Lewis Hamilton, probably also guilty. Uh, we love Gasly. Monza did love Gasly. Didn't this time. Uh, and Dr. Yuki Sonoda Esquire didn't even start the race. So bad luck, Yuki. Well, that is strong, but there's a but. because oh, no. no, no, because I know that there's an outtake, which we've oh, never yeah. had before because Nate is a one-hit wonder. Yeah, this is the first proper time that I've messed up like this. Usually I'll just like, oh, I'll start again. But this one, I was in, I was full flow, and I sent it to Meadows earlier. Well, I sent it to both of you earlier, actually. Alonso, bit feisty. George Norris, George Norris, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> George Norris. And also, if you hear, my audio was messed up, so I had to fix my mic. So I'm glad that outtake happened. It was ordained. It was fate. We're also glad. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed that. I think yeah. that's a, a also, bold shout for favourite one-two of all time. To listeners young and old, that's the first time I've ever sworn. Okay, I don't swear. <laughs> <laughs> I don't use I don't use colourful language. I was just caught up in the heat of the moment. Um, but yeah, George Norris, what a driver that would be if you merge George Russell and Landon Norris together. Yeah, definitely. might as well all go home. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought it was you know for, for for a review that started in Italian. I loved the Italian 
aspects of it, Nate. Yeah. So thank you to whoever your tutor is for uh, it's a lady you. called Elena. I haven't had a lesson for a while actually. I need to I need to get one get one back because it did take me a while to work out exactly what I was going to say, and it wasn't exactly the longest sentence in the world. So there you go. This is just an insight, Nate, into how much prep you put in to do this podcast. You know, Honestly, might, many, might, many might think we just turned up and yeah. have a chat. Honestly, I did upwards of 10 minutes prep <laughs> for that. And that's 10 minutes more than I usually do. So, I mean, I, I feel like if nothing else, it shows how much this pod is growing. <laughs> what I like is that it's, we can spin this, that it's some amazing insight into the effort that Nate goes to for his job. And he's like, I need to learn Italian because of Ferrari and Giovinazzi and Monza and Imola and Magello. We've had five races in Italy in the last year. And I couldn't but, go to any of them. <laughs> yeah. And also, how many times have you actually spoken Italian to do with F1? Uh, none. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to think of how to say that in Italian. And I just thought my Italian, my brain isn't switched on. I've only had one coffee this morning. Oh, I, need, I need a cappuccino to speak Italian. Un espresso. I think I found out this is more great insight for the listeners. I think I found out this weekend or noticed that in Italy, if you order one, then when they give you it, they'll call it a cappuccio. Cappuccio. Yeah. I want to say it's cappuccio or cappuccio. I'm probably saying something really offensive. Aren't I, I think, no, I think that that's a new thing. They've just been listening to Bob Mortimer a lot, you know, in his cappuccio. <laughs> so they've now just said we might as well, we might as well call it that. It's changed the way Italy views their, their most famous hot drink. Um, anyway. We're talking nonsense about Italy. What wasn't nonsense was the Grand Prix, the Grand Premio at the weekend. I thought personally that was like beyond my wildest expectations in terms of result. I'd lo- I thought before the race, I was like, hey, if McLaren can win this, that'd be amazing. But something big needs to go down. But McLaren could have won it without everything happening. Mm-hmm. I think they would have won it without Max and Lewis <clears throat> having their moment. I, I think, think we so went too. into that weekend thinking it wasn't going to be that great given what happened in the sprint. But um, Monza's delivered for the second successive year. I thought Danny Rick was on one this weekend. I thought he, so on Saturday when he was being interviewed on, obviously you guys were there, I was watching it back home. But he had this like kind of calm confidence that we haven't seen him have for quite, well, since he was at Renault, you know, and he would be like, oh, I think tomorrow, we'll see what happens tomorrow, you know, keep an eye on us type thing. Whereas usually he'd downplay expectations, but I feel like he knew like if I can beat Max into turn one, I'm winning the race, which, yeah. you know, and when, when, when you give Danny Rick that shot, that's always been a story of his career. Like you give him that sniff, even if it's just like a, there's, there's a 10% chance you can win tomorrow. He's like, no, that's a hundred percent. I'm taking it, which I, I, I think is one of the things that stands him out. So I thought it was fantastic. And for him, it was great. Just, he needed it, didn't he? And for more insight like that, I believe, Nate, you've written a book about Danny Rick. So, <laughs> I have. I have. Okay, so, and it's still and available in all good hadn't, So he's broken the curse of the book because he hadn't won since the publication of that book. He hadn't done it. So, so he's broken the curse. But I do have a bone to pick with the book because I looked at it on Sunday night thinking, oh, this is, this is good. There's a book on Danny Rick. And it had no mention of his win at Monza for McLaren. So (laughs) (laughs) what is this? Yeah, well, I was too busy. I mean, there's a lot of mentions of how he could have probably won Monza for Red Bull over and over again, many, many times. But uh, yeah, it was an oversight from me, I have to say. So um, my bad, my bad, guys. But it just means, (laughs) Nate, that you just bring out version two, right? Right, exactly. The refreshed version. The McLaren years. We can call, and I was thinking about this, you know, it's called Pursuit of Greatness. You could call it per shoot, but put a two in there in the pursuit. So it's like per toot of greatness. 
But if, if you say patoot. Yeah, but you don't say it. I mean, I yeah, said that it. sounds so bad, explain it. it. But you put it in there. And then, okay, you need that book. And then when you release the third one, you spell one of the E's with a three, which is his number. Ah, nice. Pursuit of Greatness 3. But then it'll be 23. Huh? Or do you take the two out? No, that's in book three. Book three is Pursuit of Greatness. <laughs> Come on, Medis. But two is Pursuit of Greatness. Yeah, but if it's Pursuit of Greatness and then you add, and you change an E for three, is it not then per 23 of Greatness? No, because you the three the is, in out the, again. is in the greatness. The three is in the greatness of book three. We're yeah. complicating what is clearly a very simple <laughs> formula for this book, for this for this trilogy that I want to release. It's patoot of greatness. Yeah. And then you drop the two. Uh, that's what I needed to know. See, I you thought you were leaving the two, the two in there. Like for the third book, there. you drop the two, start afresh, but you put three in the greatness. So it becomes Danny Ricardo, <laughs> pursuit of greatness, <laughs> and you drop the two. <laughs> just hope we. I hope we just. There's not need for a fourth one. I don't know where a four would go in there. That would complicate things. We'd get into Star Wars territory then, wouldn't we? Where it's like, do we need to make this one? Well, let's just worry about the second and the third first, mate. Yeah. Okay. Well, guys, if I mean, maybe we can get a crowd crowdfunding going for Patoot of Greatness. Anything upwards of two pence that you want, or two pennies of your of your local currency, and we can get this up and up and running. Uh, We'll see. We'll see if there's any interest in that. Probably not. The fourth one, the A of Greatness, could be a four. Oh yeah. So how would you say that? <laughs> I'm not even gonna try it. Grafortness, <laughs> pursuit of Grafortness. There you go. <laughs> this is fantastic. Yeah, uh, he, he's pursuing for a while. Then it sounds like. Yeah, maybe this is uh-huh. the thing. I don't think we'll get to four. I think uh, three is probably a stretch as it is. Grafortness is probably where we want to finish it. Well, that's good. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, I think that we have basically ruined any chance of me having any future book sales with that, <laughs> with, that, with that last two minutes so that's good anyway so um danny ricardo pursuit of greatness is uh, available on amazon uh but do bear in mind that it's completely irrelevant as of <laughs> as of about march 2018 but what backstory what depth of character that there is within it so actually it, it, it is minus his last three wins you know because it missed the two in 2018 and then it's missed this one. Not holes in this person. So, Danny Ricardo, the five-time Grand Prix winner, you can read all about him <laughs> <laughs> in my book <laughs> that came out that came out after two of those wins that it doesn't mention. <laughs> so, um, this is why I was never going to be a salesman. But to be fair, for the uh, sort of new fan base that might have come into Formula One, who maybe got into it through like Drive to Survive and stuff, and haven't really followed that long before, they need that that gap filling in. Of, of what did Daniel Ricciardo do before the explosive yeah. departure from Red Bull, and you can fill in that gap. It was like the pre-Netflix days, isn't it? That's what I'll, that's what I'll do. I'll like, if you want to know more about Danny Rick pre-Netflix, here's your book. There you go. Slightly better. I want to know more about Danny Rick post Monza, yes, but not so... like the whole of Monza, just post the race win when he walked into the TV pen <laughs> and Barreto stood there with only one shoe on. Why? Well, you might think that I wanted to keep him company because he obviously had no shoes on. But I also thought that <clears throat> it was only fair that, you know, having done so much talking around the TV pen and I was the last one that he came to, he's probably thirsty, right? So I thought, well, I've got a drink in a bottle, but who wants to drink out of a bottle when you can drink out of my shoe? What was the, so, was it water or? No, it was a beer. Oh, okay. It was a Heineken. You were drinking on the job? 
<laughs> you just stood there doing the interviews after the race with a beer. That's outrageous. I mean, it's the only way to get through. Uh, no. Well, um, you better hope Stefano Domenicali doesn't listen to this podcast because, well, I'm, well, you can say you can rest easy that he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that's so crazy, absolute man. clarity. I was not drinking on the job. Um, why do I always have to say that a lot on this podcast? This <laughs> that's, so that's what someone who was drinking on the job would say. Just, yeah. just point that out. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I'm not pointing any fingers here, Lawrence. But your story no. is paper thin. Anyway. It Sorry. Is. So um, I'll take you back to the, I think it was the Eiffel Grand Prix when he, when Daniel was on the podium, but didn't do a shoey. Do you remember he, that? He forgot and you reminded him. And I reminded him in the TV yet. pen. So I thought this time, seeing as I could see evidently that he had done a shoey because I didn't, I was interviewing when he was on the podium. So didn't know I could see because he had no shoes on that he had done one. But I thought, well, why not do another one? So I took one of my shoes off. One of my favourites, actually, it was a bat, my, one of my vans, uh, red, yellow, green and blue, I think. So favourite, I can't yeah. remember the colours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I offered him a shoe and he asked, was I going to do one? And I was like, well, in non-COVID times, I would have obviously shared a shoe, but it would not be cool probably to be sharing a shoey. <laughs> so just to clarify, <laughs> but in, in COVID times, you were still happy him drinking out of your actual boot. That was still fine. <laughs> Well, <laughs> was, so, I love that you're like no look COVID Nate but please do drink out of my shoe <laughs> that's fine like, <laughs> your argument is 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 thinner than paper oh it's weak isn't it it's, weak. it's, pr- it's pretty weak yeah it's pretty weak anyway so, it's a good story um, though carry on poured it yeah poured the beer into the shoe and uh he, he only went and did it didn't he fair play to him um and he called it a famer because I didn't pour it very well so the shoe kind of well, you know, obviously, when you don't pour beer properly, it just foams up. And uh, you next it, foam everywhere. The footage, hopefully, will will see the light of day shortly. Um, I'm not sure when. I'm not sure where. I'm not sure how. But it will do. On F1's official channels? Not sure. That's awesome. So, well, uh, yeah. So, um, fair play to him. Um, I know that um, he'd done a show already. But I just, yeah. I wanted to see if he'd do another one. And he did. Um, I got the feeling... I got the feeling that that was his most like to him that was his that was a pretty special win. Like I don't know what you got from him post race, lads, but it felt yeah. like he, he looked quite speechless and quite like not emotional, but kind of trying to process it on Sunday night, which you don't usually see with him. So I think this whole the whole weekend was quite a important one for him overall, and um, like mentally, <clears throat> he was pretty wound up with himself on mm. Friday after qualifying. Because I think he'd given himself like a kick up the ass heading into the weekend after the summer break. Um, and, you know, the last couple haven't gone too well, but he knew that this one was a weekend where he could kind of make a breakthrough. And then he'd gone and missed out on P3 by, I can't remember what it was, a few hundredths. And I think he was pretty angry, but I think if anything, that probably fired him up for the rest of the weekend. Mm-hmm. And I think that roller coaster of emotion that he had and how important it was, because I don't, I think that up until the summer, I think he dealt with the pressure pretty well. But I think we were approaching a moment where he had to do something, <clears throat> yeah. mostly personally for himself. Um, so I think that's why, I know it was his eighth win, he's won before, and some people might say, well, why is he getting so excited? But I think this was arguably the most significant win of his career, really. Yeah, agreed. It's certainly, like, I mean, it was the first one with a team that wasn't Red Bull as well, so... If any part of him was doubting the move or whatever, maybe even on top of just his own form, it was maybe a little bit of confirmation that McLaren's a team going in the right direction. And, you know, because as you guys mentioned, this was a win that was fully earned. Like he was winning that race. Yeah. Even if Max had a clean stop, 
Like McLaren had done the quickest stop of the weekend with Daniel. So Max wasn't. They managed it really well up until it before, even without Max. Like the McLaren strategy was really on point. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, because you could see when Max then got kind of released when Daniel pit and he'd already made a mistake, which is why McLaren took advantage. Like, right, now we can get a pit stop in and the pressure's on Red Bull again. And Max was told, right, give it everything. And I was watching his mini sectors and not a single one was an improvement on something he'd done before. So he was going slower. So you knew that he just had no tyres left and that McLaren had basically got them covered. And then obviously they had their drama and then their Lewis incident, which you know, no one cares about. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, and then with Lando as well, because of the pit stops, he was ahead of them. And if what Daniel had done was a sign of anything, that was a one-two, like done and dusted. And at the very least, I think having da- Lando there meant Daniel was very safe. So, yeah, I, I kind of feel like it's easy to overlook just how significant a win that was for McLaren as well in terms of executing perfectly with the chance to win the race and having a competitive car all weekend. I know they won't have it at many other tracks, but to take full advantage the way they did was like really, really impressive. It's crazy as well that like the people we know at McLaren, none of them, uh, if they've been, there's a few people who've been, at, I know at McLaren who've been there the entire time I've worked in F1, they've never won a race. Mm-hmm. So like you could see for the team what it meant. And some of them were like tweeting on Monday, were tweeting today, but like, I can't believe that happened. Like it's crazy, which is very cool. I saw a bunch of them on the flight back. They were unfortunately uh, stuck on a plane with some of us from Milan and they got on and I was like, oh, they're in such good moods. Obviously this is, you know, great for them. Didn't get to chat to them at that point, spoke to someone getting off the plane and they weren't in such great moods anymore. And it was because the flight had left at 20 past seven. They'd not been to bed. They their alarms had gone off at four when they were sitting in the hotel bar celebrating and been like, we need to get sorted. Uh, obviously, they had like you know a shuttle or whatever, but um, they were still on a high before getting on the plane. But then when they sat down and slept a little bit and then woke up at the other side when they landed in the UK at eight thirty in the morning, they were struggling. That sounds like a brutal hangover. Oh, amazing yeah. though. It, it was great to see and generally to talk to them about it and like they, I think they still couldn't believe it really. Um, which was awesome to be honest, because yeah, there's there's a million stories like this up and down the F1 paddock where you see how hard people work, and mm-hmm. and certainly a lot of people that don't actually have any input in the speed of a race car, you know, they're they're doing other jobs around it that help that team just function, and you're desperate for them to to do well mm-hmm. because you know they're they're good at their jobs, they're working so hard, but it's completely out of their hands. So when people talk about like biases or favorites and stuff, I find you never have it. You have this kind of desire in a weird way, and it never can work that you want to see everyone do well because so many people deserve it. So like when individually they get their chance, um, it's really cool to see because that's what four different teams now that have won this year, four out of 10. And I was going to say in the last 12 months, it's been, you add Alpha Tower into that as well and, and uh, Racing Point as well, yeah. obviously mm-hmm. now Aston Martin. That must've been frustrating for McLaren mechanics as well. Is like all of your midfield rivals, you've had Alpha Tower win, uh, you had Racing Point win, You've got Alpine win, and you must be there like, like we're quicker than these guys, you know, on on most weekends that we come to, and we're not winning these races. Um, but each of those had a great story as well. Like, you feel good for the mechanics because Mercedes have won so many races, and you know, fair play to them, they've done an amazing job. But like, their mechanic, like, I'm sure that winning now probably doesn't mean the same that it used to when they first started, just because when you win, you become used to winning when you haven't won for that long. I imagine the feeling of doing it. And I can, I can safely tell you that as an Ipswich Town fan, and we haven't won this year. <laughs> when we do win, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crack open a bottle of beer because I'm going to be like, this is fantastic. And drink it out of a shoe. Probably just drink it out of a, a regular glass. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I live on my own. I can drink it out of whatever I want. No one, no one will see. But probably a cup. 
That's why. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to think what else I could drink of that. There's not many items that would kind of support a beer. Anyway, uh, yeah. you alluded to something kind of minor that happened in the race. It was this little incident. Uh, oh was, yeah, yeah. You mentioned yeah. It in a sixty-second review as well. Yeah, yeah. When, when Max Evan actually locked up at turn one. Um, oh no, Max Max <laughs> Schumacher at four. I thought. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, Sorry, you're right. Like, what a headache um, those two are. Uh, oh, they're yeah, they're, they're crazy. Like I, I can't imagine how difficult that is for them to manage. But that wasn't what I was talking about. But good, good, good aside. <laughs> what could I have meant, guys? Lewis, Lewis, and Max, boys. Oh yeah, I know you're trying to be funny. Oh uh, yeah, cut to the chase. I just yeah. think to the chase. This is why he's paid the big bucks. <laughs> Look at that. That um, gets you on channel four. That sort of just direction, clarity. Just, just crack get on. Get there. Hit the <laughs> hit the point. Right. Um, we haven't we haven't um talked about this privately. So I'm genuinely interested to know what you guys both think. Racing incident, blame either side. Where do you stand? I'd go marginally, Max more to blame than Lewis, but I very much side with the use of the word predominantly in the stewards decision where mm-hmm. it's not yeah. all his fault like it's probably unrealistic to expect lewis to leap out the way but at the same time there will there will have been a stage where lewis could have done a bit more to avoid contact even though he was in the right out of the two of them so um i think it, in a sense almost inevitable with what um kind of is going to be such a tight fight like that was max's only chance to get ahead lewis knew it was like hugely important for him to stay ahead they were they were kind of was it a movable object and thingy force why can't i think of terms uh, <laughs> thingy force thingy means force. Uh, something object <laughs> um but yeah like it was just it was almost inevitable once they both headed for turn two and, and stuck at it but as lewis pointed out he took the runoff at turn four earlier in the race because he was like well we could have contact here that ruins both of them and you don't know how it's going to play out and i will say one thing before I allow other opinions. I mean, you've said out. many things already. Yeah, but I'm going, to throw, I'm going to throw one more in there. I do think Max is the one who needs to learn more out of these incidents than Lewis, because if you look at the two incidences, even if Max wasn't to blame, if he could have avoided them and did avoid them, then the worst case scenario, he would have 15 points more and a, and a 20 point advantage over Lewis in the championship than he does right now. Like cops being the main one. If he just yielded and ended up second but you never know he might even have got ahead of Lewis and won the race um or flip side with this one it could have been that if he yielded and then got Lewis later or he yielded and just ended up behind Lewis but there was two McLarens up the road so Lewis wasn't getting full points um and yeah I think it's actually when it when it'll play out over a whole season it's actually costing Max a bit more whereas for Lewis even though he's the guy chasing and therefore not been able to take the points back this weekend or last weekend I think as it overall has played out, it's probably better for him because Max has been so aggressive that it's ended up costing them both points and and Max has lost out more. Yeah, I agree. Lewis has been racing smarter. And that turn four instant, kind of, I know it was the first lap, it's a bit different, but it's like that. And it was the same in Imola, wasn't it, when Max forced him wide? It was go across the curbs, live to fight another day. And, you know, Lewis did get lucky in that race later on, but that's a separate incident. Like Lewis does seem to... And it's funny because 2010... If you look at Lewis in 2010 at Monza, I think it was at the Roger Chicane where he went on straight on this year. He clashed with Massa, I think it was, and he made a stupid move, that one of the moves that cost him that year's championship. And I see a lot of the 2010 Lewis and the 2011 Lewis in the way Max fights. You know, he's very clearly very quick, clearly incredibly good, 
but sometimes you question his mindset. So I watched the highlights the other day. The radio messages from Max in the three laps leading up to that crash really are fascinating to me because he was he was irate. You know, he had the slow pit stop. He was telling the team, like, I've got nothing left of my tyres, and his engineers just trying to calm him down. So I wonder in that moment, if he wasn't like that, would he have got would he have made a smarter decision? Easy for us to sit here and say that. We're in, you know, we're just doing this in front of computers, and I respect that those guys have talent that I would never had in a million years. Um but it is interesting. I agree with Meadows. I hate the fact that an incident like that, though, and if you're predominantly to blame, I hate this idea that that should be a grid penalty. I feel like there was already a, already a penalty. I know the outcome isn't important, but it is a bit frustrating. I know Lewis had a penalty as well, and the, the idea of penalties just gets a bit kind of tired after this point, especially when you have championship contenders fighting for a championship. I kind of like to a degree that they both wouldn't back down. But I agree that Lewis in those moments seems to be a bit smarter because I think as well, he probably drove like that thinking Max was going over turn one. I think if he'd known Max was coming in, he would have given him that space. If you know what I mean? Like he, obviously Max turned right. You can see the moment where Lewis probably expects he's going to turn left and go over the curb. But he just doesn't. He stays straight in and that's when he hits the curb, gets airborne and then you can't do anything. So it's a very strange one. I think Johnny Herbert pointed out on Sky he said, uh, Max is the one who's never backing down from these things and he needs to learn. So he said exactly what you said. And I really thought that was uh, spot on analysis. But again, if Max wants to win the title, he's got to learn to do that, hasn't he? So I do wonder whether Lewis, <clears throat> having given Max space in the majority of times this year pre-Silverstone, whether he's just decided that he's, he's always the one who's given the space and so now he's just going to not give him so much space and then see what happens and almost not teach Max a lesson, but kind of try to explain to Max that he can't always just expect to be essentially let through or bully, bully his way through. Um, but I think like, you, I agree with both of you guys. So I know that's probably very boring for the listeners. That we're <laughs> no, I just disagree on with one. Just say, say Max was completely not to blame. Go for it. <laughs> I think it's just, uh, it's just experience though. Right. So there's 10 yeah. years or so between them, probably more. And um Max is going to learn or grow into this and he's going to start making smarter decisions. And I said that at the time, at the Silverstone incident, exactly what you said, mate. If you'd just given him space and all medicine as well. And in that, in that instance, sorry, lads, but like Leclerc later in the race gave Lewis that space. Yeah. In the same corner. So it, there's two instances in both those races where it's like, like you could have given a space. And I know that that's frustrating for a driver to hear, but you could have done it. So, sorry, go on with what and, you're But isn't it wasn't it Senna who said something like if you don't always get if you don't go through a gap, you're not a racing driver anymore. And I I, I do appreciate that mindset. And I do think that was the there great... a gap there at that point? I don't know if there was really. I, there was, I mean there Senna's was line with Prost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Senna who spent a lot of his career crashing with people, which people forget with that quote. They're like Senna's idea of what a gap was was quite <laughs> was slightly strange, as good as he was. So I'm so I'm interested to see whether now there's been two clashes where Max hasn't come off very well. So I'd be interested mm. to see whether he will change his mind set on it. Um, I don't know how you get over that red mist though in the short term. So you know, like you said, like the slow pit stop, they both had slow. It's amazing how this worked out, right? They both had slow pit stops of varying lengths, and that just transpired that they were side by side. Like it it's couldn't incredible. be any more perfect, could it? You know? I think if if you got like somebody involved to like look at all the events that led up to that and the fact that Lewis and Max emerged at that moment, hmm. like wheel to wheel, I think it's incredible. Like it, there's almost like a preordained kind of like 
It's like this was meant to, I, I don't like, usually I'm not like someone who believes in fate, but in the context of this championship, it's like that, that's crazy that they ended up there because they had no right to be, I think Horner said it, they had no right to be fighting together on track yeah. at that point. So um, yeah, that's nuts. Just quickly on that as well. Do you guys think, I think Lewis has got nothing to lose. He's got seven championships. Like his legacy is secure. Max is going for this first one. Mm-hmm. And I think that mentally must play into it. There must be a sense of urgency, especially you, you don't know what next year looks like. This could be Max's best chance to win a championship for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's got to be in his head. Whereas Lewis is clearly, I'm not saying Lewis doesn't want to win an eighth championship, but he knows he's, he's got championships. This isn't like, this is be all and end all for me. If I don't win this, my career's ruined type thing. And he's just got that experience. He kind of maybe has some context. He obviously does so much away from F1 that I think maybe he doesn't think about racing the same that he did before. He still loves it, but it's not like it used to be when he was young. But for Max, it's everything. This championship means everything to him. So maybe that is going against him in these moments. I don't know. I think that's a fair point in the sense of when we then say about the way Lewis handles it and the way Max is handling it. And yeah, they're in different situations. They're, they're, in, they're under different pressures. And maybe, yeah, you could then say that Lewis has the luxury that he can handle it differently because, okay, A, he has experience on his side, but B, like say, he's got seven in the bank already and he probably can afford to play the long game to see if this is the right way to win an eighth. He might then get to the end of the year and look back and go, you know what, if I'd have been more sensible with Max, perhaps, you know, um, at Monza, I'm guessing, because all the others, well, no, I suppose with a lot of the others, actually, he jumped out the way a bit more um, and then went on to not beat Max in those races. So he might have thought, well, if I'd have been more firm there and Max didn't take seven points off me and we were both out of the race, maybe he wins a title that way. So mm. it could, you know, it's not that Lewis is doing it right and Max is doing it wrong. It's just that in the balance of the way things have played so far, you kind of see that maybe Max could do with a little bit more patience at certain times. And I think with that turn one move, he came from a long way back. Like that was a pretty audacious, like there's a good screenshot, I think, with how late he has to break, like how far behind Lewis's car he was really close to the apex at turn one for him to carry the speed running outside was a damn good effort, but was really optimistic. Um, and I think at the last second, Lewis kind of goes, ah, oh, damn, he's there. But you know, he, he kind of had shown him that he shouldn't be trying to be there and they ended up in the same spot. But I thought it was really interesting hearing Alonso's take on it, who said, you know, we joked about uh, Giovinazzi locking up at turn one and that sort of thing. But he said there were like five or six instant incidents that were very similar of drivers going side by side through those two corners and making contact, but that they weren't quite over the curb like Max was. And when they made contact, it wasn't wheel to wheel. So with Max, with a bit of air from the curb and then wheels hitting Lewis's wheels, it launched him over the top of the Merc and they're both out of the race. But he said there was ones that hit, you know, hit the floor or hit the front wing or whatever and just made much lighter contact that meant they both got through and one's a bit unhappy and, and the stewards noted it and looked at it. Um, and on the whole, I think, didn't take any action anywhere. But they they were able just to come through even though they had a very, very similar incident. And he said it was unlucky for both Max and Lewis that theirs actually played out the way it did and that they both kind of did the right thing. Max was having to be aggressive to try and make that move. Lewis was having to show him that he wasn't going to yield, but he didn't know how it was going to play out as a final like act, but that it shouldn't have been quite so dramatic an outcome, really. So um, I think there's also that. It's just because the two of them, we're going to focus on it so much. And what I'm quite glad is that even the way we've just done this, the most important thing from that race, really, um, Halo aside and Lewis's safety, because that was a bit scary, was that McLaren took a 1-2 in a race they fully deserved to win and shouldn't mm. be overshadowed by what happened between Lewis and Max. Agreed. Yeah, 100%. And what a way to finish this podcast with some proper F1 chat, hey? Yeah. 
There you go. For anyone who listened to the first 15 minutes, right? these guys are going to talk F1. <laughs> we got it. We got it in. So that, that's just a lesson to try and like stick with us. Listen to the chit chat. It's kind of like pub chat anyway, isn't it? You go to a pub, you chat about nonsense, you eventually get into quite a healthy debate. Yeah. And then After everyone... a few beers, that debate really breaks down and turns into just a <laughs> shouting match at each other where... You're kind of, you're both arguing the same point. You don't realize it. So you're just going back and forth and be like, yeah, yeah, but you, you don't see this. And actually, you're both saying the same thing. At least that's what I do. Nate knows. Yeah, it. we've we've had a lot of debates like that. Me, you, and Lawrence Edmondson. Barreto's usually just sat in the corner, just just being happy. <laughs> Never gets involved in those things. That's why I'm calling it here before it descends into yeah, anarchy. That's a good shout. He's just good trying to shout. make sure the beer doesn't froth in his shoe. Yeah. <laughs> priority that's another lesson i need to improve on during this bit of time off um all right chaps it's been a pleasure thanks again for your time and thanks to everyone who is listening as well please remember to hit the subscribe button and follow us on our social channels you can read nate's work on espn.com medes's work on racer.com and my work on f1.com we'll do this again very very soon ciao arrivederci Network.